The world will end in 2040. Interesting reactions. But that's the headline that I read, right, on a science blog, on social media, as I was scrolling through, as we all do, saying the world will end in 2040. And this comes from scientists at MIT who wrote a program called World One. And they started this in 1973. They started a, a program to actually measure the sustainability of the world. And what the program did was predict the end of the world, which is maybe not the desired response, but that's what it did. These scientists were obviously a little bit perplexed, and they were like, well, that's interesting. And obviously there's a lot of factors, right, that play a role in this. It doesn't mean that because a computer in 1973 said in 2040 the world's going to end. Since then, I would imagine we've adjusted, right? We have things like recycling. <laughs> yeah. You know, we all do our bit for the environment, and maybe we've pushed it back a little bit. Maybe 2040 has become 2070. And I was trying to think, what is the next? Is it 20, 2100? Okay. <laughs> maybe that's when it is. I, I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. We don't actually know, but what it does do in some way is it highlights the world's fragility, right, and the, and the, and the place we are in the world at the moment. Eventually, the world is going to end. Do we all believe that? Okay. So with that in mind, with the world and what scientists are saying, and then I want to add this to the equation. It's the first scripture I want to read in the passage that I want to read through. It's found in 1 Peter 4, 7. And it starts with this. It says, The end of all things is near. Now, that's quite a statement that Peter is making, but he says it, and he's quite emphatic about it. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. We know that part. <laughs> Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, listen to this, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And I read that for the first time this week, and I was like, what? That is a powerful, powerful line of Scripture. If anyone serves, they should, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now, I was with um, Deirdre's Common Wednesday night, and as I said that line, right, that first line should grab our attention. The end of all things is near. And it puts us in an interesting position because, as I've just said, science has already said that the world will come to an end. And as Christians, we now have something in common, or we do a lot of things in common with science, but there seems to be this point where science and theology and religion agree. The world will eventually end. When how it ends, we might differ. 
Okay, for years we've heard scientists telling us about the asteroids that are just going to miss the Earth by 5,000 million kilometers. But guys, we just got away from that one, right? Like, phew, okay. Or like the solar, what's it called? The solar storm. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like fun. Solar flares. I mean, that sounds even worse. Okay. And then my favorite one as I was researching this, I mean, this is great. Super volcanoes. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a disaster movie just waiting to happen, right? I mean, volcanoes are bad enough, but now there's potentially super volcanoes that just wipe out half the world in one go. <sighs> okay. <laughs> On one hand, we have science saying that, and on the other hand, well, that's what science is telling us will probably happen. On the other hand, Christians believe that Christ will return and eventually wrap up things on this earth and establish the new heavens and the new earth, right? Which is what we call in theology eschatology, the study of end times. Okay. And I, I found this quote, which I, I found fascinating. Interestingly, one scientist said this. He said, there are more papers about dung beetle reproduction than human extinction. He says, we might have our priorities slightly wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the world, the world is telling us it's going to happen, but they don't really want to look into it. And the Christians also know it's going to happen. And I'll get to that. Because I think in some ways, it's an important point. It's an important point that he makes. Because while science is guilty of maybe underthinking the end times or the end things, Christians can be guilty of overthinking it. Okay. There can tend to be an overemphasis on end time things. Okay. Now, let me qualify that. Because end time things are interesting and they are in the Bible. So we should be studying them. Okay, I'm not saying we shouldn't. We should be studying them. But I really think, and there's amazing people in this church who I have learned a lot from. Um, Elmarie is not here tonight. I actually messaged her a while ago. So she sends me lots of things. And I'm like, Elmarie, you study this stuff. You really do. You, you're, trying to, you're trying to learn and, and process stuff. So send me what you know so I can just process it with you and think through it with you. And I'm very open to that, very open. Because as much as there's an overemphasis, I think there needs to be a studying of these things. And I think for me, personally, I came out of a very charismatic church as a young kid. Um, very charismatic. <laughs> I mean, I could tell you stories, but I won't. But, um, but when I was young and a little kid, about eight, nine, ten, eight, nine, ten, those years, I mean, end times was it, man. In the 80s, that was what was happening in the church, right? I mean, it was like, we used to go to youth group and watch movies called Mark of the Beast. And then, like, and, like you'd leave youth group going, like, what the heck is going on? Like, or, like, Thief in the Night. I mean, it was, it was hectic. I was like, what the heck? Actually, I can... <laughs> One of my most vivid memories of that time is, is coming from back from a church camp with this very charismatic church, and actually going, okay, I'm 10 now, according to what I've just learned, I'm going to be 23 when it all goes down, <laughs> and that's my reality, I was like, okay, shoo, 
That's quite a lot to process. I was like, maybe I'll get married. <laughs> Okay, so, so just hear what I'm saying. There can tend to be an overemphasis, and, that, and we should be studying, but we should be studying these things in light of the whole of Scripture. Okay, we have to hold it in tension. We have to be looking at the rest of Scripture as well. But I'll say this. While there, I think, are some people who may be slightly overemphasized, and again, I don't want to disqualify that. I think it's good to study that. I think for a lot of us, we can actually just tend to be quite lazy. We can read a passage like, the end of all things is near, and we go, okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, if you really read that passage, I mean, it's, it's quite a wild statement. And I think sometimes we can be guilty of being a little bit more like the scientists, right, where they're a little bit more relaxed, and they're maybe not doing much study into it as much as they should. And we've maybe forgotten, or, or we've, uh, we've forgotten the urgency of this passage, as Peter writes it. Because there is an urgency to what he's saying, right? And we can become a little bit lax, and we just kind of let the world and everything in our lives kind of come to center stage, and we forget about the fact that one day this world's going to end. John Calvin calls this drowsiness of the flesh. Interesting. Eh? And another very well-known John, John Piper, says this, To be sober for prayer, because the great danger facing us is that we fall in love with this world and become spiritually dull, and the day comes upon us like a thief, and we are destroyed. Oh, pray, brothers, pray for the coming of the kingdom and for your strength to endure and escape the trap of spiritual apathy. Pray that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. And what Peter is doing in this passage is he's counteracting our apathy. It's almost like he needs to say that one little dynamite thing to wake us up. It's almost like that splash of cold water in the face, right? This immediacy, this importance of what he's saying. Remember, the end is coming. How many of us woke up this morning just going like, it's another day? Jesus is coming back one day. What if Jesus came back today? Could happen. <laughs> Julian's ready. <laughs> Julian was ready on the plane for Jesus to come back. <laughs> Jesus, had this, Jesus had this great epiphany. He's like, woo, dead jokes. <laughs> But that's what Peter's doing, right? He's waking us up to this reality. He's waking us up to this urgency, going, don't fall asleep. Don't fall into apathy. Don't love the world. Because the world offers you nothing. I am coming. Jesus is coming back. Okay, and he doesn't just leave us with that and go like, oh, okay, I've given you this great sentence. He gives you practical applications and things to do and practical advice, right? He's going, you're awake, now what? And this is what he says. He says, the end of all things is coming near, and he says, this is what you need to do. Be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. 
Love each other deeply. Offer hospitality to one another. Use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Again, this line, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And serve God with all your strength. Wake up, there is work to be done. (laughs) And that work is both inside and outside the church. And again, I know, (laughs) I laugh with Karen, because every time I give her scriptures, she's like, Acts 2, and then, okay. (laughs) But what Peter's doing is he's almost emphasizing that list again in Acts 2.42, right, to 47, in what he's telling us that we should be doing in the scripture. He says this, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. So church, are we loving each other? Are we loving each other deeply? Because that love covers a multitude of sins. John 13, 35 says, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. I've preached on that passage. That is a hard passage to preach. It almost feels impossible without the Holy Spirit. Well, let me requalify that. It is impossible without the Holy Spirit. We need Him. And we're not perfect. Okay, we try. We try to love each other as best we can. Offer hospitality. We think of Acts 2.46. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Having people in our homes. Now, this has been tricky with COVID-19. Okay? Let's just be honest. It has been tricky. People, some people are comfortable with having 50 people in their home. Some people are comfortable with just their family. All right. You've got to find a space somewhere with that. But there, there's a call for us as a church to offer hospitality. Now, that might mean just having someone in your home for a coffee, one-on-one, social distancing outside. Fine. That's amazing. Do what, do what you need to do. Really. For others of us, that might mean welcoming people to stay in our homes during this time where there are people in need. See, that's what he's saying. In light of what's going to happen in end times, guys, this is what we need to be doing as a church because this doesn't only strengthen the church and encourage and build us up, but it shows everyone outside the church who we as a church are. And use your gifts. I love that. Use your gifts. Charisma is the word for gifts, which means grace gift. Charisma. And interestingly enough, it's the same word that's used in 1 Corinthians 12 for the the gifts that are listed there. Spiritual gifts. Use your spiritual gifts. To serve others, as well as your everyday gifts, but use your spiritual gifts. And he he talks uh, uh, talks about these gifts in one Corinthians twelve verse seven. I want to read them because I want to remind us of them. Now I think sometimes we come to church. Okay, let me just talk about myself. <laughs> sometimes I come to church. And I forget that this is a supernatural place where supernatural things happen. 
And it's not just a hall where a bunch of people meet on a Sunday for two hours and then go home, and that's the end of it. Because if we, if we read this list, and if these things are working and operating in the church, and we are serving each other with these gifts, think about that as I read this list. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, who apportions them to each one as he determines. This is a powerful, powerful scripture. So when we come to church, do we expect, are we expecting to see people prophesying? <laughs> I wasn't asking for a response, but I'll take it. <laughs> when we come to church, are we expecting to see people speaking in tongues and to see interpretation of tongues? Mm. Gifts of healing, right. I mean, the list is incredible, actually. And that's what he says in this passage in First Peter. Use your gifts, your charismatic grace gifts, to serve others inside and outside the church. These gifts are in our midst, and Peter's saying, in light of the end, use these to serve others and as a sign to unbelievers. And I'm really convinced that these should be commonplace in our meetings. Maybe we as a church are on the journey. I know we do have prophetic words during worship, and that's great. But I do believe there's, there's room for more. I really do. I want to encourage that in us. There's more. There's definitely more. Okay. And that one line, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Now, my father-in-law who wanted to be here tonight, Dennis, and my mom-in-law there moved to Cape Town recently from PE, and uh, they've just moved to Simonstown, and it's been awesome having them here. And my father-in-law, he loves end times and eschatology. I mean, <laughs> and it's a little bit like when we're in the same room and he starts talking about like Ezekiel, that I start like, I start moving out the room like this. I'm like, <laughs> just gonna go get a coffee. No, Jax, I don't do that. <laughs> But he, he really does love it, right? And, he, and he, he loves the fact that Jesus is coming back, I suppose, more than anything. That's what, that's what gets to him. As much as he loves the theology, he loves the fact that Jesus is coming back. And he's waiting in eager to in this anticipation for Jesus to come back. Okay. Now, this same man, my father-in-law, has recently been diagnosed with multiple tumors on his brain, his spine, and his lungs. This is not a good diagnosis. Okay, but God, yes, of course we pray, Jesus. It's not good. 
But in light of, of, light of what Peter says, in light of the end of all things is near, when I go to visit him in hospital, he does exactly this. He speaks the words, if he's speaking the words of God to people, I, I go to him in the ward. I'm like, Dennis, how are you? I'm fine. But that person, that person doesn't know Jesus. Or that person does know Jesus. That person knows Jesus. This, no, she doesn't know Jesus. Oh, shame. <laughs> and when I speak to him on WhatsApp, all he's saying to me, all he's telling me is Jesus is coming back. I've lived a good life. I need to tell the nurse that she needs to go to church because she's a Christian. <laughs> like, what the heck is that? Bro? Like, I was like, have you entered the matrix? Have you figured something out? Because I'm not there. Do you know what I mean? And I want to be there. Because he sees this and he goes, if anyone speaks, you should do so as if speaking the very words of God, no matter your circumstance. That man is a hero. <laughs> and my daughter's grandfather. As we think through this, whether it's the end or our end, are we taking Peter's words and applying them. Because we need to be exercising these things both for ourselves to grow in our gift and for the edification of the body and for unbelievers. Always for the unbeliever. And as I was reading through this passage, it made me think of uh, the parable which is found in all the Gospels. And I, I got the parable in Luke 8. And it says this, Jesus also said to them, does anyone bring in a lamp to put it under a basket or under a bed? Doesn't he set it on a stand? For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. If anyone, hear, anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. He went on to say, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more will be added to you. Forever has will be given more. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. With the measure that you use, and that word use is so important, it will be measured to you and even more. You see, church, we can talk about talents and gifts and hospitality and the presence and knowledge of scripture and love and service. But if we don't use what God has given us, we risk losing it. Quite simply, we all know that saying, <laughs> use it or lose it. We probably also did to our kids at one point, right? It's like... See, as I, I read this passage in Luke in light of 1 Peter 4, at best I would say if we devote our time corporately and individually to the pursuit of God in light of the coming end, we will experience something of his being with us, his blessing, and his presence. 
and even more will be added to you. But at worst, as I read this passage, in light of the end, if we choose to ignore what he has given us, take it for granted or misuse it. And David Wilkerson says this, If you measure out to God sloth and laziness, taking for granted his great work, you'll be dealt a spirit of slumber. As a result, your soul will go hungry. Think about that. I only want to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I don't want to be hungry because I've neglected what God's doing with me. You see, at best, if we neglect God, you will lose the best a blessing. At worst, if you neglect God, you yourself will be lost. Now, that is a big statement. I know that. <laughs> I don't say things like that lightly. But I want us to get the seriousness of where we're at and what God is doing. Peter's quote has to do that. It has to do something to wake us up. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says this, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And, and listen to this. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the author of Hebrews is saying exactly the same thing that Peter is saying. He's stir one another up. Love even more. Love covers a multitude of sins. Serve one another. Use your gifts. Stir. Keep stirring all the more as you see that day drawing near. Because he knows. He knows human nature. Human nature is always to slide back. I know me. <laughs> I know myself. I'm going to surf every week. <laughs> yeah, my wife's like laughs out loud. Yeah, Jules is there. I'm going to walk every week up the mountain, like one day. Ah, the next day. Ah, ah. I hurt my knee. Ah. <laughs> it's in our nature. We can't help it. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> no, it's human nature. <laughs> that's why we have to encourage one another. And that's what I want to do tonight is encourage us to use the things that God has given us. Use those gifts. If you're shy or unsure about your gift, doesn't matter. Just put yourself out there. I pray. I pray so often, Jesus, give me the gift of prophecy. <laughs> a little insight into my prayer life. I don't have the gift of prophecy, but he says in 1 Corinthians, earnestly or seek that you may prophesy. I'm like, Jesus, you're saying it. I want it. I'm going to keep praying until I get it. Maybe I'll get it on the last day, and then I'm with Jesus. Great. <laughs> Maybe I'll get one prophecy out. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Thanks, Jean. <laughs> and this week, as I've just gone through this week, uh, I'll be honest, I've met so many Christians who are discouraged, who have lost any kind of urgency for the king and for the kingdom. And many of them have lost their first love. I mean, uh, it's true, though. I, I sat with Lance this week, 
Lance is not one of the people who've lost their first love. <laughs> but I sat with Lance, and literally we get down to the coffee shop, and I wasn't feeling so great. I was like, ah, okay, I'll meet with Lance. And Lance sits down. He's like, I've been up since 3 o'clock because I've been going through the book of Ephesians in my head. I was like, okay, cool. Because Lance is pretty much, can I tell people? Okay. Lance has pretty much memorized the book of Ephesians, right? Six chapters. And he's sitting there, and all he's doing is going, if I read this, then I see that, and I see this, and this, and, uh, and then I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know, like, Lance was amped, and my brain was just like, I'm trying to keep up. What's going? But it was awesome, right? Because actually he was encouraging me. He was like, I've read this. I'm so encouraged by this. I want to tell you. And I was like, okay, cool. Right, I'm amped. But on the flip side, I've seen so many Christians who are not there, whose circumstances have dictated where they are, and they've taken their eyes off Jesus. And trust me, I know this can happen to anyone. It's happened to me. I've been in the wilderness. When I was a young man, I was in the wilderness for a long time, man. Just a long time. Taken my eyes off Jesus. Lost my first love. And so my encouragement to you, if you're in that space... Or how, or how I can stir you up is this. If, you, if you've lost that urgency of this text, or have not been earnest in meeting together, as Hebrews 12 says, Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10. maybe in the last 18 months you've drifted away from church. I mean, it happens, right? This COVID thing is just so over it. But what it's done, I think the worst thing it's done, actually, is it's, it's, it's caused people to maybe drift away from God. And not even like a radical backsliding, just like, I'll watch, I'll watch the Sunday service when I get a chance. It's Sunday morning, I'm going to go do something. If I get a chance, and then I mean, you know what it's like. I mean, by Wednesday, it's like, okay, I'll catch up this week. Oh, okay, I'll watch this Sunday's one. And then that Sunday comes, and you're like, ah, oh, okay. It's just part of what it is. Eh? And I think that's what it's done. And maybe for some of us, the gifts that we had we've let become dormant. Maybe we've had gifts in the past. Maybe we've, we've served in the church. Maybe we've met in the church and done things and just over circumstances over time, we've just let those things slip away a little bit. And tonight my encouragement is don't let those things slip any further, but come back now. Come back into the church. Come back into the body. Come back to where these things we've just been talking about are operating, where you can be encouraged, where you can be loved, where you can be built up. Individually and corporately. Come back to Him. Whatever has distracted you, leave it behind and devote yourselves to Christ again. Yeah, he cares for you. I really, as I was writing this sermon, I often ask Hacker if what I'm preparing is too hard. I'm always worried about coming across too hectic. I really am. I don't want to like offend people. 
But think about that passage, guys. The end of all things is near. Seriously, man. Guys, seriously. As a church, we don't have time to mess around. Really. As a world is dying, and I, I said last week, I don't have time, I don't have time to waste building a church the way, if it's not the way Jesus wants to build it. Seriously. Am I going to spend five years building a church the way I think a church should be built? And Jesus goes, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> it all gets burnt up on the last day. He cares for you. You're a sheep, and you'll leave the 99 to get the one. He is kind, gentle, and patient. But if you have drifted, come back. There's a body of believers who will encourage you and love you. And for the church, those of us sitting here who are in the church, when will the world end? <laughs> Computers, <laughs> Computer says 2040. <laughs> computer says no when will the world end only the father knows Matthew 24 tells us that maybe it is 2040 I don't know <laughs> maybe God's got a sense of humor but to the church this is my encouragement to you the end of all things is near therefore be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. <laughs> Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If another serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. That is my encouragement to you. Do you understand? We can pray.